Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read it in a couple of different places in this story. A familiar story for us uh, in verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship into the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there come one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Well, that's faith. When you go to him, you should go in faith. Lord, if you'll come lay your hands on her, she'll be healed. How many times do we just pray like that? Lord, if I give this to you, it'll be done. And Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had, and, oh, no, I'm stopping right there. I'm about to read the whole story. Uh, jump to verse 35. Jesus finally makes it. They're on the way, the journey to the house. There was a little interlude with the woman that had the issue of blood. And while Jesus was speaking, there came one of the rulers of the synagogues from his house. And they said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James, John the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, seeth the tumult, them that wept and wailed greatly. When he was come in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel that were with them and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kuma, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway she arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. He charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. I want to talk on this thought a little bit today. To live a life. To live a life. Let's pray together. Lord, we love and thank you today. We just praise you for your goodness and mercy. And Lord, we are thankful for this life that you've given us. That you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Let us hear what the Spirit would say. Let us receive it in good ground. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated this morning. What a great God. What a great God. Hallelujah. And you can be seated. Glory to God. This is the best life going. There is a life to live. You know, in the world... We lived and did our best to provide, to have things, to do things. And, you know, and if things got tough, we just rolled with it. We just figured out something else to do. We tried to work it out. We would do whatever it took. But, you know, even before we came to the Lord or were serving the Lord, they were, we lived a life. And we just thought, this is life. This is what happens when incidences or trouble or tragedies or anything might happen, we would go, well, that's life. And we just dealt with it. 
what is sad is that when people start living for the Lord, that if they have a little trouble, a little hiccup, a little bump, a little trial, test, something goes a little sideways, they want to walk away from this life. They walk away from a life that God called them to. And sometimes I want to tell people, so you better think about some things before you walk away. You better think about that blood of Jesus that washed you whiter than snow. And you better think about that sacrifice. And, and if you ever are pondering walking away and you think you've got all a good list of reasons, I want you to imagine Jesus standing in front of you and present your case to him and you'll see how silly it sounds. <laughs> Woo, pastor. <laughs> but there's a life to live. And we're supposed to live a life for him. God did not call us to just acknowledge his existence, but he called us to live a life. It is, the scripture says we are buried with him in baptism and then we are raised up to walk, to make progress, to move, to go in a direction. We are to walk in the newness of life. And just because we have come to him and now we've been washed and filled and sanctified and justified and and, man, we've got the blessings of God on our life. It does not mean we won't have problems or trouble or trial and that we won't be going through things. But the idea that we should just give it up because we're having a bad day, we should at least give as much effort to living for God as we did living in the world. We should give more effort to living for God than we did living in the world. We should know that he is on our side and that he is going to be with us and that when we have a problem living in this life, just go to him. Before we knew him or, or even in our life, why we know if we have a problem in this life that's with our health, we go to the doctor. If we have a problem with our money, we go to the bank. But if we have a problem just... In this walk with him, why don't we go to him? If you have a problem with your car, you go to the mechanic. You know, if you have a problem with something you bought, you go back to the manufacturer. Why do we go everywhere else but to him when we're struggling in our walk? We're supposed to live a life. And friend, I promise you, this is the best life going. And no one can ever say, well, pastor, you know, you're a pastor. You have no idea. Ah, I'm glad, I'm glad now that I'm, I used to wonder, Lord, I wish I could have just grown up and never known nothing but you, but I am glad that I lived on the other side of the fence because now I know the difference between living without him and living with him, and I want to live with him, and if you ever think you want to live without him, you just start thinking about how awful it was uh, when you didn't have him. And then you start thinking about how good it is now that you got him. And friend, you can go to him. There is a life to live for God. And I want to tell you something. There is more to live in life than being alive. You hear what I'm telling you. I'm, I'm talking to somebody today. Jesus wants much more for you than to just be alive. You know, if you had, if you were in a, an accident, terrible, horrible accident, and, 
you're in the hospital and they're like, well, you're alive, but you'll never walk. You'll never speak. You'll, you'll just lay here. You know, you're alive, but that's not a life. It's not a life. You know, if you were one of these people that were active and you were always doing things and you were always into something and all of a sudden that's just gone and now all you're doing is laying in the bed hooked to a machine breathing, you might be alive, but that's not a life. And Jesus doesn't want you on life support. He wants you to have a life. He didn't save you to just be alive. He wants you to live this life. Friend, you cannot understand how good he is till you taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on. Let's, 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 get, let's just get on in there with it now and pull it apart and look at it. You'll never really understand what it is uh, just saying, well, I believe in Jesus. Well, the devil believes in Jesus. But I believe he died for me at Calvary. Well, the devil believes he died at Calvary. He was there. <laughs> Come on. Friend, it's more than just saying I believe, but I'm going to follow. I'm going to walk with you. You're going to be my shepherd. Where you lead me, I'm going to go. Oh, I might go through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm going to live this life because your rod and staff, it comforts me. I didn't start living for God because I thought, well, it would just take care of every single issue in my life and I'd never stump my toe again. But I started living for him because he died for me. I loved him because he first loved me. And friend, if he could love the person that I was when I came to him, whoo, there ain't no way I'm turning my back on that. I'm going to live this life. I'm going to serve him and live the life that he wants me to live. We want people to live a life. There was an old song in the 90s Stephen Curtis Chapman said, saying that it said there's more to this life than just living and dying. And some of y'all weren't even born in the 90s. I don't know. So you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But uh, that, that was a big song back then. Stephen Curtis Chapman was the king of like contemporary Christian music. So that's what we listened to. But uh, there was more. And I, I used to listen to those songs and think like, yeah, you know, there's more to this than just saying I know who he is and I believe in him and I believe he's coming back. That, that, that just uh, mental affirmation, just confessing with your mouth, saying I believe, that's not living the life because there's a lot of people that believe but they don't live the life. God called us to live a life. When I read this passage of scripture, it, there's several things that always jump out to me. Number one is that it doesn't matter how high or low you feel on the totem pole. If you got a problem that you can't fix, you're going to go to Jesus. It said that Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, which they didn't want their people mixing with Jesus. He was in danger of maybe being thrown out of the synagogue if they knew about it. And, uh, but he didn't care because now he has a need that only Jesus can fix. He realizes that I will sacrifice my position or my power, my reputation, my standing in the community because this little girl of mine is lying at the point of death. And so he says, Jesus, if you will come and lay your hands on her, she will live. 
The word live in the Greek is zio, which means, yes, to be alive, but it also means to live a life. Lord, if you'll touch my child, she won't just live, but she'll be able to live a life. Because I promise you in his mind, he's not thinking, I just want you to make sure she's alive. She can just stay on the bed the rest of her life. She can just, we'll set her in a chair over in the corner, whatever, and we'll just look at her when we walk by. That's not what he's wanting. He said, I want her more than just breathing. He said, I want her living. I want her living a life because this is my girl. And, she, and I love her. She's 12 years old and she's uh, you know, uh, the apple of my eye. She's my princess. And you know, hey, if you've got daughters, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, man, you, them girls are something else. And, and he wanted more than just that living. He wanted to have a life. I want my daughter to celebrate milestones. I want her to get married one day. Give me some grandbabies. And, hey, I'm all about grandbabies these days. Uh, he said, but I, you know, I don't want her to be just a shell of who she could be. She was sick and at the point of death and things were bad for her. She was going through it and, it, and things were getting worse, even though uh, we don't find that out till later in the story that, that she's progressively getting worse. But I want to tell you today that Jesus can make you more than just a survivor. We don't have to just survive. We can thrive. We can live. He can sure enough make you alive, but he'll give you a life to live. Hey, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And old things are passed away, but then all things are made new. And it says, and all things are of God. You can live the life that God wants you to live if you will live it. Because he'll never drag you. He's not going to force you. But he's going to offer you the best offer ever. He's going to offer you, follow me, and I'll make you something marvelous. I'll make you'll be fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, walking and, and doing and knowing about your God, learning about your God, growing in knowledge and about him and, and doing the greater things that he said you would do. He wants you to live a life. Put your hand to the plow. Be a light shining so men can see your good works. Let them see the life that you're living for him. Come on, somebody. He called me to shine a light. He called me to be the salt of the earth. He called me to be more than just a, a statue in the house of God. He, he didn't clean me up so I could just stand in the corner and decorate the room, but he said, get out there in the field and go to work. You might get dirty. You might fall sometimes, but when you fall, you can arise. And, and don't worry about the enemy because there's no weapon formed against you that can prosper. Friend, why would we not live this life that Jesus called us to? How did, hey, he makes us alive, but he, he calls us to life. He calls us to live a life, live a life for him. The Bible says uh, that we should consider ourselves to now be alive unto God. I'm alive unto God. Now, God's always known I've been alive, but now I know that I'm alive unto him that my life is his. The scripture says our life is hid in him. 
Paul said, I want Christ to be formed in you. And friend, if Christ is formed in us, we will be about the Father's business. Now, I know I've been on this uh, little tangent for a, a couple of services. It's just been, but God is just keeping me right here to remind us like, church, don't ever forget that your laborers in the harvest. Don't ever forget that I called you to be vessels of honor and, and to be used for my glory. Friend, let me tell you, God called us to live a life. Ha. Oh, and friend, sometimes we think, well, I didn't know I signed up for all that. I don't think Peter or any of them could have said at the beginning uh, after they got down the road a year or two, said, whoo, I didn't know we signed up for this. I, didn't, I just figured everybody would think he was as wonderful as we thought he was. I didn't know people were going to try to stone him and us with him. I didn't know they were going to chase him out and try to throw him off a hill. I didn't know that uh, we would have to get in a storm and wonder whether or not we were going to die. You know, I, I had no idea that he would be hated for all these wonderful things he's doing. And sometimes it's like that. We don't realize what we just signed up for. But I promise you, you don't want to turn back. You just keep walking because you'll walk through with him. You'll walk over with him. He'll get you there. He will get you to your destination. And God said, I can give you a life to live. In John 10 and 10, it says that the, we've got this thief in our life. He comes for this. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's on the way. He'll be there. He's saying he's coming. He's coming for a reason. He's, he, he didn't say the thief is here to steal, but he's coming to your, visit you at some point. So that means I got something to look forward to, don't I? There's a roaring lion going about seeking to be made of our. He, he's coming. But then he says, I am come. I'm already here. I'm going to be there when he's robbing you. I'm going to be there when he's trying to kill you. I'm going to be there when he's trying to destroy you. And you're going to be able to have life in the middle of your mess. You're going to be able to have life in the middle of that bad news. When you feel like you're in the lowest parts, uh, you're going to have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, the life will be greater than the theft. It'll be greater than what you lost, and it'll be greater than whatever the enemy destroyed. He said, I'm going to come in. And he said, he's coming, but I'm already here. I don't have to catch up to him. When he comes knocking on the door, I'm in the room with you. When you get the bad news, I'm sitting right beside you. Come on. I was right there when you opened the letter or opened the email. I was right there with you when you got it. I, I'm with you. He said, I need you to know that nothing will stop the life that I called you to. Nothing. If you can believe me and trust me, you'll make it through the theft. You'll make it through the murder. You'll make it through the destruction. And you'll, the whole time, you'll be living the life that I called you to. 
I think maybe Paul knew that better than anybody because he had that thorn in his flesh. And he said, oh, I prayed God move that thorn. But God said, no, I'm not going to move that thorn. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul realized that I can live for God despite the thorn. I can still serve God despite the thorn. I can preach and minister and witness and be a light shining with a thorn in my flesh. In the middle of my mess, I can still testify and say God is good. I can still say God is faithful. God is true. He's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He didn't lose any authority just because I lost a battle. Come on. He, didn't, he ain't lost any authority or any power and he hasn't lost any love for me just because I lost my way. Hello. Listen, he's still the righteous God. He's still that spirit living inside of you. He's still the Holy One. He's still coming back for a bride, for a church. And friend, it's going to be that bride that's living the life. I'm going to live this life for God. Hallelujah. I'm trying to encourage you. Uh, man, listen, just a race out of your vocabulary, out of your dictionary, the, the, the phrase give up, surrender, unless it's surrender to God or give up to God. Uh, don't ever use the words, I quit. I'm going to back up. I'm going to walk away. Mm. God called you to live a life. And to live that life, I've I got to do my best to uphold it through everything I go through. You've got to let your light so shine. He said we'd be living sacrifices and we're supposed to be wholly acceptable unto God. And the scripture said that Jesus told the people, he said, you'll be a sacrifice and every sacrifice will be salted with fire. I remember Brother Conway preaching about salt is good. And he, he, he was on that scripture. He said, that, he said, that's salt with fire. He said, it don't feel good. He said, it'll make you squirm. It'll make you want to run. He said, but every uh, sacrifice will be salted with the fire. And a sacrifice that's not salted is not accepted. You can read it. It's in the scripture. And so uh, we can't run from trouble. We just got to run through trouble. <laughs> okay, you hear me? we're going to have to endure the storm. We're going to have to walk in the fire. We might spend the night with the lions, but friend, God will bring us out because he called us to live a life. And, and Jairus realized, I, I want more than my daughter. I, I don't want doctors coming, giving her something, just keeping her alive. He came to Jesus because Jesus can do more than just make her survive this. He can give her a life. The doctors might give her something and maybe she would live, but she'd be paralyzed or she'd be handicapped in some form or, or something like that. And he said, but Jesus, I know that if you touch her, she'll live. She'll be who she can be. She'll have that future, all those dreams, all those plans, all those things. That can actually happen if she has you. You hear what I'm telling you today? that there's things in this world that might sustain you for a period of time. It might make you feel like you're living. They like People like to say, I'm living my best life, but you're not living at all until you live with Jesus. 
through you, until you live through the power of, of him. Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Let me tell you, that ain't just about being caught up at the last day. That's about living this new life. Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. Well, brother, you better know they destroyed it. They killed him. They took his life. They nailed him to the cross. He wasn't talking. He wasn't breathing. He wasn't looking. He was dead. But in three days, he come out of that tomb and he come out full of power and glory. He was a witness that uh, he was who he said he was. I told you this is what I would do. And friend, that's what I'm telling you is that when we live in the power of the resurrection, it's a new life. He didn't come out of that tomb all bloodied and battered and, and uh, oh no. He had the scars for the proof, but he, he wouldn't uh, rip the shreds like they saw him on that cross. All those things were put back together. And here he was. And all these things that destroyed and worked to destroy your life before you came to him, he covered them and washed them away in his blood. And then he filled you with his spirit so you could walk in the newness of life. How dare we even consider turning our back on him, laying down uh, on things that got us here. Or, or is it, how dare we do that? God called us to live a life. And so Jairus knew, I've got to get her or get Jesus to her so that a miracle can be done. And of course, we read in verse 35, it said, while he's making his way, oh, I got Jesus on the way. Things are going to be great. Oh, your daughter's dead. Now, wait a minute. I've got Jesus with me. I should not be getting news like this. Guess what? Even when Jesus is going with us, we still get bad news. And then we find ourselves at the crossroad. Will I quit? Will I stop? Will I surrender? Or do I actually believe what I said in the beginning? That I want my daughter to have a life and a life to live. And, and Jesus hears. He knows. Don't think Jesus. Well, you don't know Jesus. He heard what they said. He knew the fear, the despair that struck Jairus right at that moment. But he told him, he said, don't be afraid. Just keep believing. Only believe. Right now, at this point, just believe in the things that you said. Just believe in the reason you came to me and why you came to me and not nobody else. He said, that's it. Nobody else is going. Just Peter and James and we're going. He took some believers with him. And he gets into the house and he sees the situation. And they're weeping and crying. But I want you to know today, uh, he said, why are you making all this fuss? She's not dead. She's just asleep. You see, Jesus sees your situation differently than you do. We only see the surface a lot of times. And, and we're like, it's obvious to us. And it, we hate to admit we're wrong sometimes. Because we're so sure this is the situation. Everybody in that house, it said they laughed at the king. They laughed at the healer. They laughed at the answer. Laughed him to scorn. Just laughed him to, like, you know, to laugh, to scorn. No doubt there were probably some things said about him and, and jokes made about him and people maybe looking at him going, yeah. 
And Jesus put them all out. Get out of here. She's just asleep. You know what sleeping people do? They wake up. That's what he said about Lazarus. He said, I'm going to wake him out of sleep. But he'd been dead four days. <laughs> you know, I'm going to wake him out of sleep. And so sleeping people, they wake up. And Jesus, what I love is this in verse 41. He took her by the hand. Now, we know she's dead, which is sleep to Jesus. The Bible says the dead know not anything. And Jesus took her by the hand. Sometimes you don't even realize because you think your situation is so final. To them, death is the final card. That's it. It's the ultimate end. But Jesus took this dead girl by the hand. Before he says a word, before there's any miracle performed, he's got you. You hear me? She don't realize it, but he's got you. You don't realize it sometimes, but he's got you. He said, no man can pluck them out of my hand. He's got you. You hear what I'm talking? Come on, somebody. You, you ain't getting it. Well, you think Paul said, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life can separate us. Uh, she, she's dead. She didn't reach for him. He reached for her. The Lord knows what, The Lord knows it. When you're not able to reach, he said, I'll reach for you. And he took that little girl's hand, that little cold hand, getting colder by the minute, life gone out of that body. She didn't got no idea what's about to happen. But let me tell you how powerful Jesus is and his word is. When he took her by the hand, then he said to her, he spoke to a girl that was dead. Now, we would do that. We'd do that. You know, you've probably visited a loved one as they lay in their coffin. You've said words to them. I love you. I'm going to miss you. Spoke to them. Did they hear it? Maybe. I know that some people believe that that spirit's still hanging around for a few days and you can talk to them and they can hear you. I don't know. But what's it hurt to talk to them? People, well, you, people think you're crazy. People think I'm crazy. They don't, they don't answer. If they do, we got a whole new sermon. Well, we visit cemeteries. You ever go to the cemetery, visit a loved one, and, and, and you're talking to the ground. I love you. I miss you. Oh, I wish you were here. Yeah. But Jesus took this dead girl by the hand, the dead that know nothing. And he said, made arise. That word is so powerful that instantly it says straightway. So that's immediately, right, right away, she got up and walked. She didn't just wake up and lay there blinking. I'm alive, but, oh, she walked up. She wake, woke up. She wake, <laughs> been talking to a baby too long. Oh, he's so cute, anyway. She woke up. Look how powerful that word is. I'm telling you, Jesus has got a word for you today. 
while she was dead and didn't realize it. The master was holding her all along. And, and you don't realize that God's got you all along. And then, it, but it's not going to be very long. He's going to speak right into, he's got the answer. Ooh, what you went through was terrible. Loss, illness, abuse, whatever it was, it drained your life. It left you lifeless, just an empty shell. She was lifeless in a familiar place, surrounded by people who loved her. And we've all been there in a familiar surrounding, in a place where we know people love us, but we feel like nothing is working, nothing's happening, everything's getting worse. I'm dying, and the master's holding your hand. And I'm telling you, if you'll hear today, Jesus has got a word for you. Arise, 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 arise. Oh, and I'm telling you, if you can hear him today, that word is powerful enough to get you off of that bed of affliction. It's powerful enough to get you out of that tomb. It's powerful enough to get you out of that death. It broke through the bonds of death. It, it reached to where she was and she heard it. She heard, and people were astonished. I cannot believe it. I really thought this was the end of you. I never saw you making it back. I never saw you coming out of that. I never figured we'd see you with your hands up again. But my God, something's going on in you. Oh, it's because I heard a word that was greater than my situation. I heard a word that was greater than the bonds of death. Oh, I'm telling you today, somebody, you better hear the word of the master today. Don't stop your ears up to the spirit, but hear what the spirit is saying to the saints of God. Arise, arise. I called you to live a life. I called you to live a life. <laughs> Glory. Uh, he don't want you being in a familiar place is not enough. Just being around people that love you, that's not enough. We've got to live the life that Jesus has got for us. Uh, immediately. Don't be piddling around when God speaks to you. Oh, man. Death is tough. I think I'll lay here a minute. You know what? I think I want to be anything other than dead. Get me off that bed. What do you think Lazarus come hopping out of that tomb? <laughs> that stone's rolled away. I'm out of here. He did the best he could. He might have been doing the worm coming out of there. But he's I'm getting out of here. I called you to live a life. And, and Jairus wanted his daughter. He didn't want her just to lie. He said, I want her to live a life. That's what a father wants for his child. Well, how much more does the father want for his children to be more than just survivors? Oh, just sitting around going, well, I made it through. Uh, oh, but, but you got back up swinging and you got back up fighting and you got back up preaching and you got back up singing and you got back up testifying and praying and worshiping and shouting and giving God glory. Uh, 
Jesus said in Matthew 4 and 4, that we live by every word. You know what that word live? It means more than just to be alive. It's not that we're just alive by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He said we live a life. The life we live, we live it by every word that proceedeth out of his mouth. And sometimes it's the instruction that we live, and sometimes it's the chain-breaking word. Sometimes it's the healing word. Come on, somebody. It's, it's that light-giving word, and, 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 it, and it fixes us where we are. It brings a clarity to our situation, and we realize I can keep going. If the light goes completely out, you got to be real careful about taking another step because maybe I'm about to walk off the edge. But with the word, the Bible says it's a light unto my path. It's, it's a lamp under my feet and I can see the next step and I can see where I'm going. The interest of his, entrance of his word, it, it brings light. And so that word brings light. and I can see and I can live the life. Even though it's dark all around me, I can still live the life that Jesus called me to. You know, we do things just because it's dark. We don't stop doing things. We've got flashlights, lanterns, candles, all kinds of things so we can keep doing what we want. You know, back in the old days, you know, they used to tell us all the time when we were kids, all, they used to drive this point home to us. Now, Abraham Lincoln, he used to read by candlelight. Okay, I got a lamp, but okay. But, but what I'm saying is that people that really want to do something, won't say, well, it's dark. I guess we'll just go to bed. You know, turn the light on and, and do. And so, and, people, and so a lot of times when the power goes out, you got to get a light so you can keep doing what you're supposed to do. And so don't stop living the life that God called you to just because it got dark. The words that Jesus spoke made her alive. And she walked. Jesus never intended on just waking her up and now I'm just going to leave her lying there. I'm not going to leave her on her deathbed. She's not dead anymore. Jesus has not held on to you so long so you could just lie on your bed of affliction. Hear the word of the Lord today. Arise. One of my favorite last points, because I know it's winding down. And you've heard me say this, a lot of you that come here, you've heard me in different places mention this, but it's such a vital point. When he presented the, the girl back to his mom, or to her mom and dad, he says, look, don't, don't make a show of this. Give this little girl something to eat. You know, eating is like one of the most basic, natural things that any species knows to do. I mean, a baby, when it is born, immediately, it's ready to nurse. It's going to eat. It wants to eat. If it's not eating, it's crying because it knows. It's got to eat. There's, even if it doesn't even understand the concept of hunger and things like that, it feels hunger. And it cries out in hunger. It says, there's something going on in me, so I'm going to make a racket until somebody takes care of this situation. And so we feed the baby. That's 
You're basically, when you get hungry, what do you, you eat? If you starve to death, it's your fault. There's food, a plenty. Get it. We know eating is one of the most basic things that keeps us alive. You can't live very long without food. You've got to have it. God intended it that way. We've got to eat. The miracle life that Jesus gave us will starve to death if we don't feed it. And so you see the difference in what I'm saying today. Some people are just alive, but some people are living a life. And you can stay alive for a while and even talk about the miracle. You know, Jesus said, don't go telling them. You know, so here's my, where I'm going with it. I'm not trying to twist scripture or do anything. I'm just thinking like this. They could have took this little girl and told her, I said, come see the girl that Jesus raised from the dead. Well, if they never feed her, she's on her way to dying again. <laughs> so he said, what I did was good and it brought her to life. But if she's going to live a life now and, and obey the word that I gave her, you got to feed it. And when we are raised up to walk in newness of life, when we're buried with him in baptism and we're raised up to walk in newness of life, we've got to feed this miracle. We've got to read his word. We've got to pray. We've got to worship. Come on, somebody. We've got to do the things that he said to do in his word so that we keep living the life. Because if we have a resurrection experience but then never feed that, back to the world we go. Back to where he found us dead. That's where we will be. And it's sad, but it's true. The longer you live for God, the more you will see that cycle. People who come in so excited to be alive, but where are they? Because they stopped feeding the miracle. And you can't live forever off that one resurrection. If that girl lived natural in her life, she was going to die again. But she could live a life that Jesus wanted her to live. So the miraculous, it will begin to deteriorate, get weaker. It'll starve. It'll go back to a state of sickness and then death unless it's fed. And whenever we stop feeding the miracle, that old man, that old habit, them old things will come creeping right back up on us and say, come on back into the darkness. Come on back into the tombs. Come on back into the grave. Shut the voice of the Lord out. I don't want to do that. I want to live the life that he gave me. Let's stand together this morning. Listen. What Jesus saved us from, brought us out of, gave us that new life, it'll be wasted if we don't walk in it. It says she rose up and walked. She started walking in it. It's a testimony. It has overcoming power. I like to think she flung the door open and stepped into the next room where all them people that was laughing. And all of a sudden, everybody went, Whoa! And I hope they asked her, hey, wait, what's going on here? She said, oh, I was just asleep. I hope that's what she said. I don't know. If I was, if, I, I'm going to ask her when we get there. What would you tell them when you walked out of that room? 
is a testimony, but it goes unrealized if we just lie there and die again. Because we're not some kind of sideshow act for people to come and gaze at and look at. And you know, if we don't get up, people will stop believing that anything ever really happened. If we don't start living the life, nobody believes anything ever transpired. You can say, oh, I went to church and I got this today. But if you don't start living like you got something new, people will think you're still the old. People don't need to see us as living wearing the grave clothes of the dead. We've got a life to live. So arise and show this world what Jesus has done for you. Be more than alive. Live the life.